0: Hey there, it's Katie Tupin here, and you are watching or listening to Tupin Talks, the podcast in which I, Katie Tupin, talk about whatever I want to talk about to whoever I want to talk about it to. And this week I have BJ Barham. BJ is um, one of my pandemic friends. He came on my Instagram live stream last year, and he is one of my favorite people. He is very down to earth. He's very connected to his fans. We share a lot of the same philosophies and how we go about life. And so I can't wait to share that conversation that we had um, here momentarily. But first, I have some announcements to make. I have a new ad that came out this week, a new video ad. And I'm so excited. Uh, I posted it on everything. So if you haven't seen that, I'm going to roll that right now. But it's for my Camp Katie. Being an artist is really being a creator. And being a creator is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that there's no roadmap for, and when you're trying to navigate this lifestyle, as well as something like the music industry, which is ever changing, it can be a lot. That's why I created Camp Katie. You don't have to figure this out alone anymore. If you're an artist, a musician, a songwriter, there is something for you at Camp Katie. This resource and community is waiting for you to help you through the next chapter of your journey wherever you are. My name is Katie Tupin. Join us on Camp Katie. We are here for you. Visit patreon.com backslash Katie Tupin. that was my new video ad for camp katie camp katie is an artist resource that i am putting together where i have zoom calls and guest speakers and motivational tips for songwriters artists and musicians so if you are one of those things or you would like to be one of those things check it out we have a lot of fun and it's really fun to kind of get to know some of these up and coming artists and help in any way i can it's really this is really like my passion project Uh, this is the thing i'm most probably most excited about doing, honestly, is is Camp Katie. So if you're interested in that, go to patreon.com backslash Katie Tupin. If you are watching this live premiere here on Facebook, you can always comment or share for chances to win all kinds of stuff from me or our sponsors. And you guys, we these are live every Thursday night at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on my Facebook and on YouTube. So if you're listening to this in your car, you know, maybe next week, try to get over there and watch it live. Watch the live premiere because oftentimes I'll do live commenting over here on Facebook and respond to you guys. And it's a lot of fun. So don't forget to share and to comment because I have so much cool stuff to give away from me and our sponsors. So this podcast is sponsored by Topo Chico. Topo Chico is probably the best sparkling water on the planet and i have been chasing them down for years i even wrote them a jingle which i think i'm going to release here pretty soon and um if you've never tried topo chico they actually have 2 your door delivery available on their website and they've recently partnered partnered with an artist hey sue lee and she's done all kinds of designs of visual art designs for all kinds of stuff uh that we're giving away in our swag bags Uh, If you comment or share this podcast is also brought to you by the Kentucky Botanical Company and from here to there, the Kentucky Botanical Company is a CBD company located here here in Kentucky and it is the highest quality, most highly concentrated CBD product that I have found and helps immensely with anxiety and pain and all kinds of stuff. Um, and if you're interested in the Kentucky Botanical Company, go to their website, kybotanicalco.com. And if you use the code tupentox you get 10% off your next order. And finally, from here to there, from here to there, is my boyfriend's moving company. So if you need strong men to show up at your house and move something, or you're moving long distance, or you need a rearrange, whatever, and you're in the Kentucky area Hit up from here to there, and you get ten percent off if you mention me and this podcast. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. So we are gonna—I'm gonna start doing episodes that are just solo episodes mixed in with our guest episodes. So if you have questions or comments, you can leave them in the comments, and and I'll respond to them in a future episode. Pretty cool. And you can also text me. My number is 1-502-878-7460. If you want to text me. Uh, a question or a topic you want me to cover I will consider doing so in a future episode so thank you for tuning in and i will just welcome our our guest this week bJ Barham all right I am here with my special guest bJ Barham of American Aquarium hello Bj thank you for joining Tupin talks
1: hey thanks for having me on
0: Yeah. Well, it's been a little while since we spoke. We spoke, I think last I was doing some live streaming um, on Instagram over the pandemic, so a lot has happened.
1: Yeah, I think it's been like almost a full year, so uh, yeah, uh, we're slowly acclimating back into uh, touring and playing shows and being around other people, so it's a totally different headspace.
0: It is. It is. It's kind of a shock to the system a little bit for me, at least anyways. But um, I, I do feel like I'm enjoying the the human interaction again. I needed that.
1: For sure. I, I took that for granted for a good chunk of my career was how much I depended on uh, transferring energy with other people. Um, and And then when you cut that out, it starts taking its toll on you mentally (laughs) pretty quickly. Yeah.
0: Well, I think now I'm like totally overcompensating with the social interaction. I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to tour, I'm going to, (laughs) you know, I just I'm I'm desperate for it, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, so you have a lot going on and I, I, this is our holiday episode. So we are going to talk about Christmas and the holidays and um, traditions and things like that. Full disclosure: We are recording this on November seventeenth, so we are, uh, you know, hello future. I hope it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but first, I want to talk to you about all the things that you have going on right now. So, um, you know, when we spoke last year, you had uh, your record uh, laminations out; it had just come out, I believe, and then you put out Slappers, Bangers, and Certified Twangers Volume One, which uh, cover a covers album. Correct? Yeah. And now you're working on Chica, Maco, Chica Macamico.
1: Yeah, Chica Macamico. Uh,
0: what is it? I'm not going to be
1: able to say uh, it. Chica. Chica. Ma. 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 Comico.
0: Comico. Chica Macamico.
1: Chica McComico. I, There you na- Nailed I did it, it. it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay.
0: Don't it's, ask uh, me that again in five minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah it's 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 fun cuz we announced it and I I had to release like a pronunciation video like 2 days after we announced the record just so cuz people were just like what is this? Like what is this word? <laughs> what and is so this uh, uh Chicken is there's a place in the Outer Banks of North Carolina called Rodanthe. Um it's mm-hmm. on the northern part of Hatteras Island. Uh before it was Rodanthe, uh it was Chickamakamico. It was uh it's what the Algonquin people that were there before we got there named it. Um it just means uh the land of the sinking sand. Uh it's like this really loose sand North Hatteras. Um and the reason I named the record that is because I wrote the record there. Um every record I take a writing retreat and kind of disappear uh for a couple of weeks and I go somewhere. Um and I write for a couple of weeks, and so this time I went to the Outer Banks in the middle of February, twenty twenty one, and uh, and wrote a record. And so that's uh,
0: interesting. That's uh, really cool that you do that. And so you write the you pretty much write the entire record in that span of a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. For the most part, um, I go in with a theme, um, and and this theme was loss. This record is about loss um, on on a pretty broad scale. Um, but it was funny because I didn't have a name for the record. And uh, every day, every afternoon, I would take a break and I'd go for a run. And I kept running by this giant water tower that said Chickamacomico. And I had no idea what it meant because I was like, we're in Rodanthe. Like, this is, right. this is weird. So I just got on the internet and started looking it up and realized that it's just what it was before. And so, like, a record about loss and uh, losing one's identity. I thought it was kind of neat yeah. to, to have this record. Wow. Named about a, wow. a place that exists still but not what it was originally called.
0: Totally just like teed you up for that name. Wow. Yeah. 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 The universe amazing. sometimes. The universe,
1: is, the universe is great. Um so I had this record written and all of a sudden I get delivered this extremely unique word um that was almost a challenge to put into a song. It was like the, the universe the universe was daring me. Like, I bet you can't fit this ridiculous five-syllable world word into a song.
0: I feel like that could be. Ca- I haven't heard the song, obviously, but I imagine it's a really catchy word once it's in a song.
1: Yeah, it, it, you have to. You have to be careful with it. It's, a, you know, it's it, it's the hook. It's part of the chorus. So, I, I people that fall in love with this record, they're going to be able to pronounce it pretty quickly, and they're going to be singing it pretty quickly because um, it's just it kind of rolls off your tongue once you get it down.
0: Well, so what inspired to make a record about loss?
1: um in 20 late late 2019 october of 2019 i lost my grandmother um who kind of raised me um i'm sorry and then it, I'm sorry to hear that. And, and then two months later i lost my mom um oh
0: wow in
1: december of tw- uh on new year's eve of 2019 oh wow so I, I went into 2020 knowing that i had zero idea the pandemic was coming but i i had i knew it was going to be a shitty year from the jump and wow. uh wow. and then it just got depressingly bad in 2020. Um, so the record is about obviously the, the, the literal definition of loss, losing people you care about, but it's also, it touches on the pandemic. It touches on uh, a lot of stuff that I think is going to resonate with people. It's about a friend's suicide. It's about miscarriage. It's about a lot of different things that you're tested with throughout your life um, when it comes to loss. And so uh, yeah. it with a very happy title, it is an extremely dark record. Uh it's a very uh sad record. Um, but I think it, it moves to a point where you forget that it's sad. Like you can you can listen to this record and ride down the road with like your wind is down and like go to the beach and listen to these songs <laughs> about just like death.
0: You're just, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so
0: <laughs> just yeah, into that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I think people are gonna be able to like listen to this record and kind of tap their feet and also feel a lot of emotion with it. And so-
0: well, isn't that the most amazing thing, though, about about songs and about music? And it's just a way to sort of express yourself. And um, and you, there are there are so many. Those are my favorite types of songs when the lyrics are so sad, if then if they put slow, sad music behind it, it would be so sad. But if there's a sort of an upbeat thing behind it, it makes it uh, tolerable. Oh.
1: Yeah, I I like getting into that dichotomy of depressing Mm -hmm. lyrics set over top of fun music, Um, because sometimes people don't realize um, they'll get to the show and they'll be dancing and singing along. And then you'll see that moment where it hits. them like, oh, whoa, this song is not this song is not about having a good time. This song is about miserable uh, things that happen to people. Um, So, yeah, we uh, we just got done recording it. Uh, It'll be out uh, summer 2022. Um, so I'm super stoked about it.
0: And you can pre-order that already.
1: Yeah, we, so we, we do a, 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 funny thing. Um, we're a completely independent band. So, um, our last seven records, we do two pre-orders. We do a, a, a crowdfunding pre-order, uh, nine months before the record comes out, uh, and then two months before the record, we do what I think most people consider a traditional pre-order, which is buy our CD, buy our vinyl two months before it comes out. Here's a single on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, we just finished the first pre-order, which is what we consider the crowdfunding pre-order. And it's where kind of our super fans that have been there since the beginning, uh, have a chance to get something that no one else has. It's a chance to get, so it's alternate artwork, colored vinyl. Uh, you get the record two weeks before it comes out. Um, it's just for people who want to get on the ground floor to get in on the ground floor. Um, that's, and in terms, you're so in- good with
0: so your good. fans. You're so good with interacting with with people and 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 creating a community around the projects that you're making.
1: I think it's important. I think it's important to 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 not you know when your fan base is also your friend base. I think that's a very important thing uh, this day and age. Um, our kind of band would never have been able to exist in the 70s or 80s, but in the 2000s, when everybody is easily accessible, um, why not? Uh, get to know the people that are keeping your career alive. And why not ask them what they want from you and then give them what they want? Um, Whether it be merchandise, whether it be cover records, whether it be any aspect of your career, why not ask the consumer what they want from you? And then if it makes sense based on your artistic integrity, like try to deliver something that your customers would want. Um, I think that's a pretty easy concept
0: (laughs) yeah well yeah well i so i'm you know i'm fully independent also and and sure you and i share a lot of the same thoughts i feel like on these issues and um And, and yeah, like I'm the same way. And I, I find the way that you manage your business and your art as a business is really unique and not many artists do that. I actually started a community, uh, on Patreon. I just launched it's called camp Katie and it's for up and coming artists. And, um, it's really fun. I have guest speakers and I give tips and I write blog posts and, um, I kind of shed insight into. You know, if my philosophy is on all these different things, um, you would be a great guest speaker over there, I need to have you over there, um, but, but you really do. So how does that work for you? Because, um, I know for me, it's, it's a pretty intense balancing act that I do for, you know, managing my business, managing it as a business, and then the actual creation and the actual art.
1: I, I think you're nailing it. Um, calling it what it is. It's a business being in a band is a job being in a band is an extremely fun job. Uh, we're very, very fortunate that we get to travel the world uh, with our friends and play music every night and call it a job. Uh, but the people that don't look at it like a business are the people that I find are struggling. The people when the world shuts down for a year and a half, uh, the people that didn't look at it as a business are the ones that you know ended up having to get jobs. The people that had to yeah. kind of get out of the arts and then focus on the real world for a second. Uh, and I'm very fortunate because I, you know. I am just as uh, critical of the art that I create and the art that I release into the world as I think anybody, but I also have always know that I have my finger on the pulse of where my business stands. Um, and I think that anybody who's, for me, I'm, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. I think anybody who's been doing it for more than 15 years and doesn't have it, like I question, you know, <laughs> their commitment. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's you know, my, my worry is, you know, if, if you don't have a clear... Uh, vision of where your business is headed or where your vision is currently sits. Um, I think it's kind of hard to, to ex- expect to have a career uh, when you rely on other people to make those decisions for you. When you rely, like that takes a lot of trust and I've watched enough VH1 specials to know that there ain't many people in this world. You can trust that much. Oh
0: my gosh. My, (laughs) my experience has been since I left my old band, I mean, it's just been one bad manager after the next. And I've had a lot of trouble, uh, dealing with that to the point where it's like, you know what, I'll take care of it. (laughs) I know I'll get it done.
1: Yeah. And I'm lucky I've, you know, my manager, um, is incredible. She's she, me and her are same brain. Uh, we talk almost once a day um, you know she jokes that managing me is like managing a manager she's like you make my job easy cuz it's you're the manager and all I have to do is manage you and it's, yeah. it's pretty yeah and that's what you I'm, want
0: though you know you want that partnership you don't want somebody to be your mommy or your dad exactly. you want, you want it to be a partnership
1: and i'm pretty good at getting a lot of the 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 big ideas out um, and she's really great about facilitating those big ideas and, and giving me the steps to make those big ideas actually happen and setting up the context to actually make the dumb things that I dream up, uh, actually happen. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's what a manager should be. A manager should be a facilitator, not a babysitter.
0: Yeah. I, um, so, I mean, one of the things that I love about being an artist and doing this and being kind of the manager is that I can have an idea and by the end of the day I can already put that idea into practice and it's happening don't you love that
1: it's it's crazy uh like like, I think you mentioned just before we put out a a 90s country cover record uh good, and I and I've been threatening to do that for a decade um I just I never had the time and 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 one of the the good things about the pandemic was I had nothing but time.
0: Toopin Talks is also brought to you by the Kentucky Botanical Company. The Kentucky Botanical Company is an education focused distributor of high quality, Kentucky grown CBD products and was started on the foundation of helping people with a commitment to natural plant based wellness. They keep their products as close to the plant as possible by avoiding unnecessary flavors or fillers. From tinctures to highly concentrated topicals, clients find relief from their anxiety, pain, stomach issues, depression, inflammation, and more. Sustainability is another focus of the Kentucky Botanical Company. As a natural progression in holistic wellness, they also offer zero-waste products and a full refillery in their retail locations. You can find them in Bellevue, Florence, and Covington, Kentucky, as well as at www.kybotanicalco.com or on social media at KYBotanicalCO. You can also go online and order and use the code TupinTalks for 10% off your order.
1: Um, and so we, we dreamed up this ridiculous idea to put out like a country cover record. And it was fun because it went from, hey, I think we should get together in a couple weeks. And make a country cover record to like, oh wow, we recorded like two volumes of (laughs) of of country covers. Like, how do we release these? And then finding out like, like just test because I've never done covers before, and so having to go through the whole licensing thing, um, and having to uh, kind of learn a new skill uh, when put because I know how to put an American Aquarium record out pretty easily yeah but learning how to put out a covers record and actually have it be a successful record you know It
0: okay so we need to talk because you put out this 90s covers album and there's a lot to know apparently about putting out covers and i'm doing a blink 182 tribute album so i need to yeah. know what you know so,
1: i can't I, I can't wait to hear that by the way i, I love the adam song <laughs> cover that, that you, you posted a few weeks back it was great thank you um yeah it's it, it's it's weird when you because as songwriters, you're always so worried about the songs that you're writing, uh, and you never think to put out a song, a record of other people's work. Um, no. But it was one of the first times I've ever like just went into the studio with the sole objection. I mean, the objective was to have fun. Yeah. It was just about getting together with my band after a year of not playing and have fun. And we had an absolute ball making this record because all of us were raised on, you know, shitty 90s country on the radio. Yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> We just, we got in the studio and realized that it was a lot of fun and we put it out and expected like some of our fan base to dig it.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: we did not realize um, just how, how much our fan base would dig it. Um, yeah. So I the vinyl sold out in 10 hours. Wow. And w- we grossly underestimated the demand for 90s country cover <laughs> records. Um, so, I hope I run uh,
0: into that for my Blink album.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. I hope that it it, ta- uh, it cuz it's fu- it's it's fun because there's no pressure like you're not putting out yeah. a piece of yourself. You know, I feel like when you release a record, you're putting out this very intimate snapshot of where you are when you put it out mm-hmm. or where you were a year ago when you recorded mm-hmm. it. And uh it was it was nice to not have any of those kind of restraints. It was like there was no pressure. Like we put it like we surprise dropped it one day just out of the blue, didn't tell anybody it was coming really? and just put it out and was like, Hey, if you want it on vinyl, and we printed it on like John Deere green vinyl. Amazing. And so it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was, we told people like, if you want it on vinyl, get it there. If not, you can just listen to it on Spotify. We had a lot of fun. And then the fan base kind of took it and ran with it. And, you know, it ended up debuting in like the top 10 of like the Billboard country charts.
0: You're kidding. Is, and it's, it's a double album, right?
1: So volume one came out in May. Um, I haven't, told anybody what the date is on volume two okay. actually when this airs it'll already be out volume two okay, will so. already be out when this airs so if this you airs anytime that? late it's December december can...
0: 23rd December twenty third. Oh, oh yeah
1: volume two is probably out already and volume two sadly' is probably sold out already um <laughs> but uh volume two is out now in the world if if this is this is right before Christmas so
0: yeah yeah um, okay well you can go check that out you can check that on I'm sure on Spotify and Apple music yeah. and then volume uh,
1: one and two
0: Try to go purchase that uh, directly, I imagine, off of your website, which is yeah,
1: americanaquarium.com.
0: Yep. Um, so yeah, I agree with you about the taking the pressure off and like just making something for fun. Um, people have been asking me a lot recently, Oh, you're putting out new music, like what's happening? I'm, I'm like, I don't really have anything to say yet or right now. And so having something to do that's kind of just fun is, is so refreshing. Um, did you, I have a question for you. Did you have any, like, pan- I know you were going through a lot of shit apparently, uh, over 2020, but did you pick up any pandemic hobbies? So many people picked up new things.
1: Uh, not really. Like, I, I was super focused on, like, I was writing a lot, um, for the first time in my career. It's weird. I signed my first like pub deal and, uh, February before the pandemic started.
0: Wow, and so special.
1: it was very advantageous, uh, <laughs> yeah. getting ready to go into a year long shutdown. Um, but I, I, I finally made the decision. I was going to start writing with other people. And so I was able to, you know, stay pretty busy doing that and like really kind of focusing in on songwriting. Um, so I, I guess I kind of, my hobby was writing songs for other people. <laughs> Well, that's true. Uh, that's
0: good. That's that's something which was,
1: new. Which was so weird because it was like I would do like you know two or three Zoom calls a week and write these songs for people and or, or help them write songs or, or or collaborate with people that I really loved. Um, and it was it was a weird, I, I it felt like a hobby. It felt like I was learning how to do something. Complete. I, I I watched friends like bake sourdough bread. Like this felt just as foreign to me as the first time they probably tried to like get a sourdough starter going. Um So you you si-
0: write all by yourself this entire time building up until this point, you pretty much write alone. Is that yeah, correct?
1: sixteen years every every American Aquarium song is just me. It's just wow. I write a hundred percent of everything. Um and so for twenty twenty, I was sitting down and I was I was trying to write with other people, uh, which for folks out there that are songwriters, you'll understand how foreign that feels. Um, but for people that aren't into the songwriting business, imagine having the most intimate conversations of your life with complete strangers. Like that's what, like, that's what writing with other people feels like is, Mm -hmm. okay, I've got an idea for a song that means a lot to me. I'm going to bring someone else in here. That's going to have a completely different idea about where the song should go. Is going to have completely different ideas about what words we should use or music we should use. And so it's about kind of, I don't know, it taught me a lot about letting go and trusting people and getting in the same room as people that you respect and trusting their process just as much as you trust your process or maybe learning something about your process that might be holding you back. Hmm. Um, so it was, it was I, I'd say that was like my hobby was kind of letting go of a lot of uh, preconceived notions I had about songwriting and learning how to be more of a collaborative songwriter.
0: Did you find it... Um... I find it difficult to write with other people sometimes because uh well it's like it has to be the right it has to be the right match. Um and then there's an art of you know somebody I feel like is always writing the majority of something. Did you run into that a lot?
1: Yeah, like you can always tell um expect every session there's going to be somebody that emerges as the dominant voice of where the song should go or who has who who obviously has the song by the tail a little bit better than everybody else in the room does um but it's about giving everybody the chance to throw in words and throw in ideas and throw in and try and trying not just to you know because if i wanted to write the song by myself i wouldn't bring it to a uh like a writer's room um so it's about trusting it's about trusting that collaboration it's about getting in there and speaking your piece and making sure that you contribute enough to to where nobody's like, don't work with that guy. He just sits back and like lets you write the song. He's
0: just trying you... to take fifty percent of the song.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you don't want to do that. But it's also about like trusting people and and yeah. For me, it's, being a songwriter is a lot about you have to have ego because you have mm-hmm. to. Uh, it's it's this weird thing that I always tell people: songwriters, we're 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 the most egotistical people you'll ever meet in your entire life, and we're also. Uh, the most self-conscious, vulnerable people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And we have to be both of those to be successful because you have to be cocky enough to think that your voice matters on a subject, Mm -hmm. but you also have to be insecure enough to write about it from a very, very vulnerable angle to where it's accessible by everybody else. And so you take a lot of that ego into the songwriting room and you're like, well, my, my way of saying this is a little bit better. Um, but then you learn how to, you you have to learn how to turn that off and, and be open minded and admit to yourself when somebody else got it better than you did, or when somebody else Mm. has a cooler turn of phrase.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think I have a bit of a mental block with it, uh, too. So this is actually quite helpful. I've run into the situation before where you, where I have a really good start and a really good idea, and then I bring it to somebody and then they contribute and I just walk away and I think, oh, crap, I would have like done that so much better on my own. Uh, you know, yeah. and I, I, I get really frustrated with that situation. So I, I, I found the technique, you know, that you use when you, when you're first writing with somebody is you don't always approach them first with your favorite idea. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do like, you practice that?
1: I had to learn pretty, pretty quickly. Um, don't bring your favorite ideas to the table. Um, no. yeah. always, always leave those for yourself especially if it's a song that means something to you, like songs about personal, but all the songs about like a lot of personal loss on the record were just me. Um, I co-wrote a song on this, on the new record with Laurie McKenna and I co-wrote with Hayes Carl um, on this new record. And so, you know, those ideas I brought to them were, were a little bit more uh, non-personal. They were a little like, I think that, we would be able to write a really great version of this story in my head. Um, and learning to trust, and, and learning how to separate your song ideas into two separate categories. Ones mm-hmm. that you're like, I'm definitely gonna finish this myself. And one mm-hmm. that you're like, I really think it would be fun to collaborate on this
0: one, so. Yeah, yeah, you just answered my next question, I think, which was, you know, did this this process of writing with other people change how you wrote, okay, I'm gonna try to pronounce it again, Chica, Chickamakamiko Chickamakamiko. Chica-
1: Chick-a- Chickamacomico.
0: Chickamacomico. Chick-a- I have to think of, think of the word comic. If I think of yeah, the word yeah. comic. Chickamacomico. Sure. <laughs> if that if,
1: if, if that town ever has a comic convention, it's going to be the weirdest name. It's going to be the Chickamacomico Comic Con. <laughs> that would be the weirdest thing. <laughs>
0: that needs um, to happen.
1: Oh, so, the, uh, like, yeah, it's, sure. it. it took me... I'd say a good week of just saying the word over and over again, and finding like a melodic where 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 to put this, where to put it in a song. "Chicken is just not chicka something McComico. you would think about, like, "Oh, I'm going to put that into a rhyme." Um, no, that's tough. Chicken I could hear it. I could hear it as
0: like a background vocal, like saying it, like way pushed way back. <laughs>
1: <in the> mix, <laughs> yeah, th- you know, it's, it's it's way out front in the song. It's that's amazing. It's it's, it's the it's the title it's the title track. Um, and it's, it's going to be so weird hearing people sing along to that word, which is really cool and also really weird at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well, so I have a question for you. So, you know, you're going through the, the 2020 and you're back out on the road and you're doing stuff all again. And, um, you know, I know I struck a certain balance over 2020, which was a new balance. And now that balance is shifting again. And. We're pivoting again, and you—you know—you and I are also business owners, so we're used to pivoting. But I do find that that pivot, of family balance, domestic life balance, has changed. Has it changed for you? And how are you? How are you dealing with that?
1: Yeah, I always tell people that before the pandemic, I was—I was uh, a was, uh, hell. I wrote it. I, there's a song about it on the new record uh, that I talk about this, where it's before the pandemic, I was a—I was a singer songwriter that had a family now i'm a family that family guy that i'm a dad and a husband that also happens to sing songs every now and then um i think i i think it's easy for me to admit that business came first in a lot of situations not like you know and like i just would up and leave my family for, for a show but i was i was very driven i was very business focused and the pandemic taught me that i can take my hand off the wheel for a while and the car is still going to drive itself and mm-hmm. The train is still gonna to get to the destination. I don't have to always have my hand on the wheel. I don't have to always be focused on what the next move is. I can sit back and I can focus on family a little bit more. And so 2020 was the year of me kind of reconnecting with with who I am in my mid thirties. I'm not the 24 year old kid anymore that can play 300 shows a year. Um, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I have obligations that come before music, before fans, before the road. And uh, moving forward, especially this year you because know, 2020 i played 10 shows and they were all in january of 2020. wow i like got 10 that was the first year i've ever dipped below like 100.
0: wow um, yeah.
1: and so this year i think we're right at like 75 which is a really good number for me like i if i can do 75 shows that gives me almost 300 days at home
0: mm-hmm.
1: to be everything my family needs me to be and I and i don't have to risk anything i don't have to give up anything i get to be home for like it's it's great like i have the most boring life at home people ask me like what do i do at home i'm like i drop my kid off at school and i cook and i take care of the yard and i'm just the most domesticated dude of all time but for 75 days a year i get to walk on stage and be a front man of a rock and roll band and it's pretty fun
0: yeah yeah people were asking me recently i said do you miss it do you miss it and i've really kind of swung a different way you know after having toured I don't know, six years with town mouth or whatever. And, and then some years on my own here. And I, um, I, I really love, I really like this, you know, like I got a boyfriend that's in the same city and like, that's pretty good. And like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's something so nice about the, the normal day to day. And, um, I, you know, I don't think I'm a person that was ever going to give up touring or give up playing shows because I do love that moment on stage. And I don't mind even the time in between, but it is a large chunk of life that you are, you are giving in, in exchange for that. And so, I don't know, it's just, I, I thought a lot about that over 2020 of like, okay, what is the real balance that makes sense for me? Uh, and I think most
1: me, I think most musicians did that. I think, I think everybody, if you didn't like, like you wasted. You were just year. going,
0: I missed it. I missed it. I miss it. You're going to be miserable. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 about learning that I have an identity outside of the tour bus. Mm-hmm. I have an identity off stage, and mm-hmm. I need to embrace that identity a lot more. Um, I need to, because that's the that's the that's the real joy. That's that's the beauty in what we do for a living is we're able to not work nine to fives every day of our existence. Like take advantage of that. Take advantage of the fact that you only have to go out and do something you love to do seventy days a year. And then really focus on being the best dad and being the best girlfriend, being the best you know parent, being the best whatever you, you want to be the best at, like you the best bread maker in town, you know whatever. um I think I think that's important, and I, I, a lot of people complain about the last year, um and don't get me wrong, the last year was miserable for a lot of people, um, decimated small business, decimated homes and families. but it was also a blessing if you if you let it be. It was also a a moment of reconnecting with yourself um, if you let it be. And, uh, and I think a lot of my friends did that and it's, it's been really cool to watch them come out the other side, a completely different person, um, completely refocused in uh, in, in a really beautiful way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, okay. So BJ, we are two days now away from Christmas. Tomorrow is Christmas Eve. And I want to know about the Barham family traditions. What is Christmas like for you? What are the holidays like for you?
1: We, uh, I, I, ne- I never knew, you never know what your family is compared to other families until you start, um, uh, going to other people's fam- uh, family Christmas functions. Yeah. Cause everybody thinks their family is just the normal family and everybody else is oh. weird. Um, I realized that my family, um, isn't very family oriented. Um, really? you know, yeah, it, I didn't realize it till you know I went my, me and my wife uh, when we first started dating. Like I realized like how much her and her family hang out. And don't get me wrong, uh, they're uh, an Italian family from Long Island, so it's very much fam- family centric. It's it starts in the home and you stay there and you're there for a week and everybody wants to hang out the whole time. Oh, that's a And my, a lot. And my fa- yeah, and my family was very much like let's just get together like for one meal, uh, give each yeah. other some gift cards, and then go back home and watch football. Um, and so our family so you're tradition going for a week. Yeah. So like when I'm with my family, so this year we, we alternate. So every year we do Thanksgiving at one place, uh, which my family's in North Carolina, her family's in Florida. So we do this year, we're doing Thanksgiving in Florida, Christmas at my place. And the next year we'll switch that way. Okay. You know, my daughter gets to experience Christmas and Thanksgiving every year at one of the grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family's pretty low key. Like we don't really do anything on Christmas day. Our thing was Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Um, we get together Christmas Eve. Um, there's an amazing barbecue place in Reedsville, North Carolina, called short sugars, short sugars. Uh, And so we buy a pork shoulder from, uh, short sugars which is oh, very what you're west-
0: always posting about food oh, you have the best oh. food
1: <laughs> i am a, i am a i love to eat that's the one thing in this <laughs> world that's the one thing in this world that are, I, I truly enjoy i think just as much as music is good food um it's the one thing um uh i spend money on i'm usually pretty um frugal when it comes to to going out and and you know and you can relate to this like i'm sober now so it's like i don't really have any reason to go out and hang at a bar but the one thing i will i will blow copious amounts of money on is good food um i love i love eating well and and by well i don't mean just fancy i mean i like eating like just state fair food and i also love going and letting like sean brock cook me a delicious meal in nashville you know i like do you do you
0: like regularly okay here's a question i hate the feeling of feeling full, like it actually makes me like, I, I, I'd never experienced it. I never let myself get to the point where I feel full because I don't like it. Do you feel full on a regular, do you like that feeling? Some people love that feeling.
1: All the time. You, you like, love that feeling. I, I, <laughs> I, like, I don't eat to get full. I eat to like, just clean my plate. I eat to like get rid of every, all of the food. And I think it was how I was raised because I was raised in a like kind of lower middle-class family and you were taught that you clean your plate like mm-hmm. you're lucky to have food on your plate every night so mm-hmm. like my mom put like two pork chops, mashed potatoes, biscuits, corn, green beans like you ate everything and if you didn't eat anything it it wasn't like eat until you're full and responsibly walk away from this meal <laughs> it it was eat until everything is gone oh uh, my we, like it was like cleaning your plate and i think a lot of yeah. like so, especially in the south i think a lot of people um, it was passed down from grandparents to my parents. And then
0: right now we it's kind like, of did that. We kind of did that. But like, also we were taught like, if we're full, we don't have to eat, which I think makes sense too. See, <laughs> see
1: I, There was never a point where we got too full though, like me and my little brother, my brother's 15 months younger than me. So uh-huh. by the time we were cognitive of, of dinner table and sitting there, me and my brother were like, I don't know how parents of. Of adolescent boys pay for grocery bills. Like, that's all me and my brother did was just wait, we were both athletes. So we would come home after practice and literally sit down and eat two plates of food every night. Like, it was like feeding a small army, my mother. And uh, we cleaned our plate. And if you didn't clean your plate, it was almost like an insult. My mom was like, Did you not like it? it, Does it not taste good?
0: I was like, No, this is delicious. And like,
1: yeah, it's very it's much sunny. like a like you clean your plate and so as an adult, I'm I'm learning. I'm slowly learning to walk away um, when I'm full and, and maybe take it with me for a snack later. Um but I'm <laughs> like, I'm very much yeah. the guy that like I'll eat everything in front of me. Um
0: Yeah. And I'm I, and I'm so, a runner.
1: So I, I go through like it's never been like a, a weight thing for me. It's always been like You're a skinny a, guy. Yeah. I just eat a lot of food and, and I run so I can eat <laughs> So I can eat. That's the only reason I don't run because I enjoy it. Do you gain
0: weight run. if you stop running? Do you gain weight?
1: I'm afraid to try it. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been the same size since like my senior year in high school, and yeah. so it's and it's always because I was you know active, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Whether it was playing intramural sports or or running, and so I've always been able to eat whatever I wanted. Like so when we were on the road in the early days, we were eating like shitty, like fast food. And I think some people, if you ate fast food for like years on end, you would gain weight, but it was just one of those yeah. things where it was like, food is just kind of fuel for me at a certain point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. but now, now it's gotten to where it's like, I'm, I love, I love when I get to a town asking like, where's the best place to eat? Where's your favorite meal? And yeah. when, when somebody I trust tells me I go out of my way, like me and my guitar player, we were just in Texas this past weekend. And uh Texas Monthly every year comes out with the top 50 barbecue restaurants in the state. Every four okay. years they release this like massive list. And so the number one spot was a place called Goldie's Barbecue in Fort Worth, and we got in line at like seven am for lunch. And so like we got in line and waited for like four hours. <laughs> and we were like, no, we were the third people in. We got there at seven, and we were the third people in line.
0: Oh my gosh, so was, you're like the people that, that were, like when Star Wars comes out, you like camp out for three days. like you for food
1: the the nerdy kids in star wars that's me and like barbecue restaurants like if there's if there's some if there's somewhere where somebody tells me i have to eat somewhere um i'm more than happy to wait in line and
0: so is barbecue like barbecue is like the the top tier that's like your ideal meal is barbecue
1: yeah i i could eat barbecue a lot um some people have like fatigue of eating the same thing over and over again when I'm in Texas, I could eat barbecue at least one meal a day. Um, wow! And, and in North Carolina, barbecue is such a big part in North Carolina as well. So like I was raised, like it's it's while we have Christmas dinner. Christmas dinner is barbecue. Mm-hmm. We have this whole pork shoulder, and we eat barbecue as a family, and then we open up presents, and that's kind of our Christmas. Um, that's always been
0: your tradition is the barbecue, that, the barbecue, and the presents.
1: Yeah, that's like hanging out with the aunts and uncles. And then Christmas morning was more of me and my brother and my mom and my dad. Like we'd wake up and we'd have Christmas breakfast together, which, you know, where we're from, Christmas breakfast was like, you would go to like the local butcher and buy like the really good bacon or like the really good country ham. And Christmas morning breakfast was like the best breakfast of the year because it wasn't like canned biscuits. Like my mom made like fresh biscuits and it wasn't like, you know store-bought bacon it was like actually like cut bacon it was it was like a yeah. big breakfast was a big thing for us and you, so we need, have you know
0: breakfast. what BJ, you need to have a food podcast
1: oh i've i've talked to a few there's a few friends of mine that run podcasts like uh, my buddy joe pug does the working songwriter oh yeah and uh i've been on his podcast twice and both times he's like man you should make uh, like a food podcast like you should really Talk about this, and I'm like, man, I, don't, I was like, There'd be like, it'd be like me and seven guys who were like really into what I was talking about, and everybody else would be like, dude, stop eating all of this garbage. Like, you
0: know, it's whatever <laughs> makes you happy, though. Like, do, I feel like I just watching you, like, and you're like lighting up just talking about food. Like, oh, you like, I really I, love you. Love I, food.
1: I get super excited talking about food. It, it bring, <laughs> I, I, I'm not kidding when I say that food brings me almost as much joy as playing music does. Um, yeah. which is, is extremely advantageous because of the profession that I've chosen. Um, because I'm able to travel and mm-hmm. I'm able to get out, you know, cause everybody's been to their favorite restaurant in their hometown, but not many people can have a favorite restaurant in every town. And so yeah. it's funny cause when my friends travel, I always get like text messages like, Hey, right. I'm in Omaha or I'm in LA or I'm in Seattle. Like, where do I get this? And I'm like, Oh, let me tell you about this spot. It's amazing. Like you need to go there, and it's 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 really fun being the friend that people trust because because food is such an important thing. It's such a, a ritualistic thing for people, like eating a good meal. And so when people, I know how much I appreciate a good meal. So when people trust me in my opinion to lead them in the right direction, that makes me feel pretty good about myself.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. So uh, let's talk about presents. So you guys, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of opinions about gifts around Christmas. I know when I was growing up, I, um, all right, here's a fun story. My brother, so I have one older brother, and we're a couple years apart. Our first Christmas, his first Christmas, he got, you know, mountains of presents. And then my parents realized how stupid that was pretty quickly. And so I got, because he does not gonna remember any of them. And so I got one little teddy bear uh, for my first Christmas which is probably more appropriate but I do like to bring the story up to them a lot because they they clearly had a favorite a favorite child. But um what's what's your philosophy on on giving gifts at Christmas? Are you for it? Are you about it? Do you like doing it?
1: I'm a am a good gift giver.
0: Um I, I believe a, that.
1: I'm a good gift giver. Um when it comes to like my wife tried to compete when it comes to, like anver- our anniversary is 12 13 14. 12
0: 13 um, 14. Oh yeah, you just the had last,
1: it. yeah, the last. Yeah, the getting ready. Yeah, just had it. Um, it's the last like sequential date of the of the millennia, and uh, it's. Uh. She tried to compete with me like the first couple of years, so you got like your your first anniversary is paper, your second anniversary is cotton, your third anniversary is leather, stuff like that, and so I I go pretty hard to the hoop when it comes to gift giving and coming up with like super unique gift ideas so i think after like the fourth or fifth year my wife just stopped competing and I, I now i still i still go like hard when it comes to giving gifts especially the people i care about um like all the band guys whenever they have a band anniversary i get the guys either a guitar that they've always wanted or or, or something that, that musical instrument that they've always wanted just to say kind of thanks for sticking around another year with me um, Yeah. And I I try to go out of my way to make sure that everybody that I really love in this life knows how much I love them, not just by telling them every day, but by actually getting them something that they like or something that's thoughtful or something that I I don't think anybody else would think to get them. Yeah. Um, I like to flex that, that, you know, as songwriters, we have to be very observant. And I like to flex Mm -hmm. that sometimes with the gift giving, like if somebody mentions once, that they've wanted this, like, I'll hold onto that thing for two years and then get it for them and be like, remember that one time you said that you had your eye on this and I've, I've noticed you never pulled the trigger on it. And like, I wanted you to have it. And, like, That's I think so it's important. Kind.
0: I love yeah. that. I love gifts. I love giving gifts a lot. Same, I same. Like, find a lot of pleasure in that. Uh, what's the, what's the most epic gift you've gotten for your wife or, for as a Christmas present or?
1: Oh man. It sounds gifts. like you, you're
0: into the epic gifts. You don't yeah, hold out. Yeah.
1: I, I don't necessarily go too extravagant. Like I, I haven't, you know, went out and bought like a boat or anything, but like I always try Not to yet. make them pretty, I always try to make them pretty thoughtful. Um, And we take a big trip. We take a couple of big trips every year. So I go pretty hard on the trips, make sure that when me and her get uh, a week away from like my, my mother-in-law watches our kids uh, uh, a couple weeks out of the year and we get to go on uh, an excursion. I make sure I, I no expenses, is, is, <laughs> is is hillback um but as far as christmas goes uh i'm trying to think of the big gifts the trips is is really where, kind of where That's we put our money i love it i
0: love uh i love that because so i hate stuff like i don't like yeah. stuff not a big stuff yeah. fan if it doesn't have a use then like i don't i don't know what to do with it in fact like i remember vividly at christmas when i was a child like getting stuff like from family or my parents and almost having a panic attack because I didn't know where to put it and what to do with it all. And it didn't have a purpose. So experiences to me are the best gifts.
1: Experiences are what this life is about. Stuff is stuff. Like if I need something, I'll go buy it myself. Um, when so, I would rather experience something, whether it's a good meal, whether it's a a bougie ass hotel room, um, Mm -hmm. something that you're going to remember, something that's going to have a story something that you know because stuff you know it breaks you throw it away and then you're not left anything but like if you go somewhere with somebody and spend an amazing week somewhere with somebody if you have an amazing meal with somebody you'll always be able to tap back into that moment you'll always be able to tap back Mm -hmm. into where you were when you did this and what you saw when you did this and i think Mm -hmm. that's important so like i we go pretty hard on the trips. Um, me and my wife are, are pretty avid travelers, and that was one of the things that kind of drew us together. Was when we first started dating, we traveled a lot together, and we realized how good we travel. I know a lot of couples travel horribly together. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my wife travel extremely well together. Um, we're both like uh, we, we both like, we're itinerary people.
0: Yeah, are so, like. like... We're, we're, you're detail-oriented I'm that, people.
1: I'm I'm that guy. Like I have a, a shared Google Drive with like where our dinner reservations are, what our hotel <laughs> reservations up. are. Yeah, I'm that I'm that dude. <laughs> Whenever anybody asks, I can go back in the Google Drive and tell them where we ate that dinner that they're asking
0: about. Wow. Yeah, wow. I'm a nerd.
1: I'm a nerd when, oh it, comes to, when it comes to I could have been a pretty righteous. Uh, what do they call travel agents? I could have been a good travel agent. Uh, Well,
0: that's why I think you need this podcast. You need like a travel food podcast. (laughs) I really do. I think this needs to happen. You have a future here. So um, speaking of gifts, though, you do do handwritten lyrics uh, around this time of the year, which are a great gift. You know, it's it's somebody that has experienced your concert and then you can or loves your music. You you do a handwritten lyric. You can buy a handwritten lyric from, from you.
1: Yeah, it's. You know, a couple years ago, we made a list of like all the things that I wish my favorite artist would offer, you know, and that, and that's kind of what my whole ethos is as far as being a band leader is what would I want my favorite songwriter to do? I would want him to come out after the show and meet me. I'd want, I'd want to shake his hand. I'd want to tell him how much I appreciate his songs. I'd want him to sign my record. I'd want him to take a picture with my kid. Um, So I try to go above and beyond when it comes to that kind of stuff, but one of the things I realized was like, and I'm not going to throw any shade or anything, but there was a, there was this artist, not a big artist, not a massive, not Springsteen, not Tom Petty. Like a, I would call him a contemporary. Okay. Um, and me and my wife had our first dance to one of his songs. Um, and I wanted to, for the paper anniversary, I wanted to get the handwritten lyrics from this artist that you know, we had multiple mutual friends in common. Like it wasn't like I was going out on a reach or anything. I just thought it would be a really great idea for the paper anniversary to have these handwritten lyrics of our first dance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he straight up was like, no, there is no way I would ever do that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. No worries, man, I just wanted to check in. Um, but then I started thinking like, I noticed how many people get married to like one of our songs or have their first yeah. dance to one of our songs or they yeah. met at a show and fell in love or kissed at a song. And I started realizing like, I'm not the only person that has a moment attached to a song. Like what if I offered these to people? And yeah. so I just, I just put it up. And I think the first year I, I got way behind the first year, I want to say like 200, 250 people ordered handwritten wow. lyrics. And like it, I was literally writing like 20 a day, trying to wow. catch up and, and be like, <laughs> I grossly underestimated like this. And, and luckily every year it's kind of, kind of I, I'm smarter. I start like in October. Yeah. I give I give myself a really big runway, and so that way, every day as they come in, if I knock out like two or three a day, I never yeah. get behind. Everybody gets yeah. them on time. Yeah. Um. I'm not I'm not staying up two straight days like on December 15th to write a million lyrics. Um,
0: uh huh.
1: But it not only is it a really nice um, financial shot in the arm for artists this time of year, uh, it's also what cooler thing than to have, to be a part of someone's like epic Christmas. Like I I'm trying to imagine like what I would do if like somebody gave me a song that really meant something to me and it was signed. It was written by the guy that wrote it, signed by the guy that wrote it. And then I always put notes in with everything from my merch store. So I write mm-hmm. them a letter and I'm like, you know, if they tell me it's their anniversary, I'm like, Hey, happy anniversary. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. And I think it goes yeah. a long way. I think just treating other people's like, human beings and reminding yourself sometimes that we as artists are still human beings as much as we yeah. want to stand up on, um, you know, our pedestals and, and, you know, be worshiped by people. Um, I think we need to remind ourselves that we're still humans and that other people want us to be human. That's all they want. Yeah. They want to have, they want to have an interaction with their favorite yeah. songwriter. Um,
0: you know, I don't, I don't when think that's I... asking too much. No, I, I totally agree with you, and i've I've been that person. I've been that shitty person before. I have, and um, you know, all the years that I was in the band that shall not be named, I, uh, I, I was like that, you know, and and I was dealing with a lot of stuff, you know. I was still partying a lot, and yada yada yada, and I was pretty young, and um, but I, I didn't. I was afraid to let people in because it does happen where people will take advantage of that space. Um, sometimes, but I have found that 99% of the time people are cool. Like they yeah. really are fine. And you know, people always ask me like, "Oh, you have this text number. That must be overwhelming." Um, it's not. Uh, I uh, people quickly realize we have very little to exchange, and it's always really nice. And it, it people move on. You know, I think um, I think we we're just sort of beyond the the years of when. Rock and roll artists, or whatever, where you're just like you don't have that interact. That's over. Like it's over. We're not doing yeah. that anymore. It's not cool anymore. Like you're not. It's not fun for anybody.
1: It, it was cool when there was like a mysticism behind like Zeppelin yeah. or you know. There's like, no
0: mysticism you, anymore. We have the internet.
1: It's social media. It's like it's like <laughs> yeah. you're seeing what I you, you get to see what I eat for dinner every night. Get the fuck out of here. Like <laughs> if I'm if I'm showing you what I'm having for dinner, like I can come out and say hey to you after the show and I can sign something yeah. for your kid. No, um, shit.
0: exactly. And, do you do and, and cameo? Don't,
1: I don't do cameo, but uh basically if anyone texts me and asks me about cameo, the rule I have is I just give them my Venmo and I'm like you pay me whatever you think is appropriate for what you're asking for and I'll make That's you cool. a video. And cool. not not once has anyone ever uh uh you know been disrespected. Uh, nobody's ever been like, here's five bucks. Like, I need a video for my kid. Like, yeah. everyone, all I, and I, and I've learned that, like, if you just put it in their, the ball in their court, people are going to surprise you every time. It's like, you're going to pay me what to like say happy birthday to your husband? This is weird. Uh, um, but I, really I do. That's
0: smart. Them.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I take away the, the fiscal obligation. I don't want people to look at $50 or $100 and scoff at it or be like, what does this guy think he's worth? Like, why would I pay fifty bucks for him to video message my my wife, you know? But if you put it in people, if you if you let them name the price, like I like for me, it's and you know how it is. It's five seconds out of my day to put my phone up in front of my face and say, "Happy birthday, Todd. I hope it rules. See you at the next show." Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It t- it, t- it takes no work, and so I've learned mm-hmm. that like it's beneficial for both parties if I just put it in there because they don't want to insult me. So they always right. come with a, a pretty fair price, and well above what my time is actually worth, um, and I'm happy to do it. But I I didn't want to get on cameo just because you know it's I, I didn't want people to look at a price and feel like they couldn't get it from me or or, or yeah. didn't deserve it from me. And that's the same reason like every time you buy like vinyl records or CDs on our online store, I give you the option of signed or not signed. It's not an extra cost. It's nothing oh, extra. Cool. It's it's just some people don't want it signed because you know they don't care enough, but then there's some people that really do want it signed and they don't know when they're going to see me at a show or they yeah. don't want to stand in line and wait for it. So yeah. I give people that option just to make it less uncomfortable for them. I don't want a price tag to keep them from asking for something um, cool. that, is, that is that easy. Because if I'm going through the, the, the process of pulling the vinyl off the shelf, putting it in a vinyl mailer, Writing you a handwritten note. It's an extra two seconds for me to slice down the side, sign the record, and put it in there for you.
0: And people might not know this, but you handle all of your own merchandise. You handle yeah, your shipping
1: of that. You are you are you are interviewing me live from my my shipping warehouse, uh, i.e. my my home office. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Everything everything's done here. Um, I, 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 I fulfill. Um, last I looked, it's, you know, I've done 25,000 packages from this chair is, oh my is God. how many orders we're up to these days. So it's, how does that work on, when
0: you're on the road?
1: People, people have gotten really good. I, I, I don't ever tour for more than two weeks, so I'm never gone for more than two weeks. Um, yeah. so people, people kind of know, uh, that if you order something from me, um, that I'm packing it up from you. And they obviously yeah. know that if, if I'm in Texarkana that night, that you're probably going to wait for your t-shirt. Right. Um, but occasionally you'll get somebody who sends it. Cause I also run the, uh, the info at americanacquarium.com email address. Uh-huh. So occasionally you'll get somebody who sends you a message like, Hey man, like, I don't know what this band's trying to do, but like, I ordered this like 10 days ago and like, it still hadn't shipped. Like what gives man? Like, and then you just respond like, Hey, it's BJ from the band. Um, I run the store. Um, I'm not home, but as soon as I get home, I'm gonna make sure it comes out to you. Thank you for your patience. And every single time it's, oh man, I had no idea that you did it. Like, take your time, no worries. like totally willing to wait and if it takes a month. Don't worry about it, man. And it's it's Thank funny because when when people realize that you're the one doing it all, not only do they have a different level of respect for you, their patience also extends a little bit longer than, let's say, I was just some big name merch warehouse that is isn't my only jobs to ship out merch.
0: Right. Right. So, no, and it, I, uh, yeah, I Let's oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: I think it's, I think it's also important. Like when people, and, and you're the same way, it's like when people realize that they're buying from you, they're more willing to buy that extra shirt or buy that extra vinyl or, yeah. you know, or cause a lot of our fans, I know that nobody needs 22 American aquarium t-shirts. I know. But no, when you' they're so cool,
0: when, people are so cool
1: yeah, when they realize that you're the one directly direct, there's nobody else that gets to touch that, like yeah. you're ordering something from me and handing me your money, and in turn, I'm giving you something back, and you know that you're helping the artist, you're helping the band, you're helping the thing that you love. You're not giving 15 percent to this and 10 percent to this and two percent commission you know you're not paying when you buy directly from the artist, you're not paying any commission on that, and it's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well you do a great job of handling all of that. And, uh, and I, I admire you uh, quite a bit. I feel like we're on the same page about so many things. You guys know I am pretty obsessed with Topo Chico. Topo Chico is the best sparkling water on the planet and now you have no reason not to try it because they have to your door delivery available on their website. It's topochico.com, T-O-P-O-C-H-I-C-O.com and they also do awesome things. They partner with artists like me, like this podcast, and they have provided tons of swag for our giveaways here on Tupi Talks. And a lot of that swag is part of their collaboration with another artist a visual artist uh, named hey sue and and we're doing a lot of giveaways here on Tupin talks all you have to do is comment and share on the live premieres and you can win some of that swag for free one of the things that you brought up earlier that I I uh, kind of, we kind of skipped over I didn't realize that you were a you were a jock too you were a jock turned artist
1: I was a jock turned artist I played football soccer basketball and baseball all four years in high school so um,
0: I love that. I, I was, all. I, I too was a jock.
1: But I was a jock that also like was into musical theater and singing in the choir. And <laughs> I was a student body president. So it was like, it was, it was, I was kind of all over the place. It was like, I, I really, obviously I was building a transcript because I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of this small town and I'm going to be a part of everything Yeah. just to get out of here. Um, but I love sports growing up. My parents never pressured me into it. And it was yeah. something that I found very quickly, you know, I was six one in the eighth grade. So I found out very quickly that I was, um, I, I could, I could do it and, <laughs> and, and be relatively successful at it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so I enjoyed playing sports all through high school. Um, God bless my mother for driving me to every possible practice slash AAU tournament slash traveling soccer team game. Um, but then. Once I got to high school, I started really falling in love with music. And so I was, I was in the choir. I was, musical theater was kind of my passion. I almost went to school for musical theater and, uh, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then once I got to college and started realizing that I could play independent music in bars on the weekends with an acoustic guitar, it was game over. It was, Oh, I can do this and get paid for it. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. cause I was going, I was going to school to be a lawyer and, wow. um, I was a political science history double major uh, at, at NC State. And then I realized I can get paid to like talk about my feelings on stage. And I was like, I'm going to do this instead because <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, is better this for me. This seems like way more fun, like making my own hours and seeing the world and,
0: and, yeah. and you know, yeah,
1: changing people's lives instead of ruining them.
0: Like yeah. everyone I think is a creative person. Um, we're born creative people, I believe, and not, and maybe not all of us are born to create music or whatever, but we're all born, I think, to create in some capacity. And, um, and so that's, I don't know. I just find that like, I was a jock. I was a jock until I was 17 and decided to play music when I was 18. You know, it kind of happened late and, um, or later than some, you know, I wasn't, taken piano lessons when I was five, by any means. Oh, yeah. So you know, it's just it's everybody's journey with it is different. And uh, I think it's important to share with people. It's like, you can be a mom and also sing on the weekends or record music and do all these other things. You can be a dad and, and do it. You know, there's there's, it's there for you, I guess, is, is the point.
1: 100%. I, I think I think you nailed it on the head. I think that everybody is creative. I think that everybody Cause I, cause I've heard it from everybody. They'll be walking down the street and like, they'll come up with like a really good, like line or a really good idea, yeah. but they don't ever, they don't ever write it down. They don't know mm-hmm. how to capture that creativity. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I, I tell people like, you've came up with a really great lyric in your mind before you've came up with a, a world changing yeah. idea in your head before. The only problem mm-hmm. is you just didn't know how to deal with what the muse was handing you. Like mm-hmm. you didn't have a way to, to translate it. I was yeah. like, everybody has these extremely brilliant creative moments. We as artists have just learned how to harness what we're given. We've learned upon it. Yeah, like I've learned that when that creative spigot gets opened up, I've learned to just put a bucket in front of it and catch it and write it down Mm -hmm. and record it. And you know, not everybody knows how to do that, and not everybody realizes that that's you're just as creative as I am. It's just I've learned how to harness that creativity in a way that I can translate it. Yep. Um, so I totally agree with you. I, 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 have this argument all the time. Like my dad's like, how did you, you know, how did you get so successful? It's like me and your mother, did, we, we, we never wrote songs or sang. And I was like, you guys were creative. You just didn't know what to do with it. And I, you know, I found a way to translate what the muse was giving me.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for hanging out with me and being part of my Christmas episode. Thank you so and- much. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Do you have a okay. favorite Christmas song?
1: Christmas song. Do you
0: like um, Christmas
1: music? Have you written I, Christmas music? All right, I haven't written Christmas. I haven't written Christmas music yet. It's I, hard. I, the one rule I have is I'm never going to record a Christmas album of traditional Christmas songs, okay. but I've told myself if I ever did write like a really fucked up Christmas song, I would release like a Christmas song. Like if it's like, a
0: sleep,
1: or what? or just like be like <laughs> the loneliness that is the holidays for a lot of people. Ugh. Um, I think that's a pretty heart. like I, I like to write sad songs about real life situations. And I think that idea of, of the holidays not being a happy spot is a cool idea for a song. Yeah. Um, so one day maybe I, I release a Christmas song. I don't know if I release a Christmas album. Um, I was just having this conversation with the guy that produced our record. Um, and we were talking about sometimes Christmas albums feel like a white flag, you know, sometimes the Christmas record, like the entire, like when you release like a a Christmas record of just traditional songs, Uh sometimes it feels like, Oh shit. Like that, that's, that's the end. Like I'm releasing, (laughs) I'm releasing the Christmas album.
0: It's Um, over now.
1: Yeah. It's like if 98 degrees gets back together and releases like a Christmas (laughs) album, you're like, well, put a bullet in those guys. Like they're never going to create again.
0: Oh my god! Um, but,
1: I, but I don't know. I grew up. I loved Christmas songs. I, I remember, uh, and I was just reminded of it because my daughter's favorite Christmas song is "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree."
0: Adorable.
1: Um, she likes "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." I like "Jingle Bell Rock."
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I like "Run, Run Rudolph." Um, okay, I like you a li- like Christmas I
0: like, songs. I love this. I like.
1: I think I like more of like your contemporary, like your rock and roll Christmas songs, like mm-hmm. the ones that have like electric guitar solos in them. Yeah. or the ones that you could play with a full band and it not sound yeah. like you know like silent night you know yeah. yeah um as a kid i loved uh the little drummer boy the bum 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 song yeah, it was fun. uh i really enjoyed that as a kid but i think as an adult when i hear like run run rudolph like when i'm hearing chuck berry sing me christmas songs the yeah. world is okay. Like, I'm okay with that kind of Christmas music.
0: You know what my favorite uh, newer Christmas album is of original What's music that? is the Doctor Dog Christmas EP. Did you hear that?
1: Yes, yeah. and the, and that's what it's I'm good. saying. Like that kind of stuff to me is a okay. Amanda Shires is getting ready to release one of original yeah. Christmas music, and I think that's a super neat idea. Like when because like I'm I, I don't know if I could sit down and write ten songs about Christmas or. <laughs> holiday related yeah but like the people that can do it like I, I respect the hell out of it like yeah it's easy to mail in like uh here's Silent night and away in a manger and all things on and like that's a little campy for me but like yeah. when you sit down and like you write 10 original Christmas songs like get out of here like that like hats off like that's a huge accomplishment in my eyes
0: Christmas music is, I have tried, I have tried to sit down and write some Christmas songs and it is by far the hardest thing that I've tried to write because there are so many like well-written Christmas songs. Like they've already, they've been they've been written. They're there. Be written. They've yeah. been written. So like what <laughs> new do we have to say about Christmas? I don't know. Like unless we're going to talk about like Christmas being our Amazon packages or, or something ridiculous that I don't I don't like to write about things like that. So I don't know what else to say.
1: Yeah, I think the only <laughs> thing you can do with Christmas music is update it. I think the sentiment has already been written. Yeah, I think all yeah. you can really do is update it and say it in a different way, which, you know, hell, there's been a million and a half songs written about love and love lost, but yet we're still writing those songs every day. So yeah. I'm sure you could tap into that kind of, you know, that christmas spirit as they call it and and yeah. and i think i could write one christmas song that was good if i really yeah. tried i think i could write one but people who put out like records like hats off like i don't know how people can muster that much positivity for one record
0: <laughs> i think we're i think the other problem is is that we're just too dark for that much christmas spirit that's the issue yeah. but maybe maybe that should be our co-write bj maybe we should write a christmas song together and that We'll should be write our the catchiest, for next year.
1: catchiest, saddest Christmas song of all time.
0: Yeah, we'll dance that's, to it and that, cry at the same time.
1: That's how we both retire: is writing our generation's <laughs> catchy, uh, sad Christmas song.
0: It'll be the next. Uh, what's the Mariah Carey one? Um,
1: oh, uh, um, uh, uh,
0: uh, I don't want a full Christmas. Christmas. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Gosh. yeah, that one. She is a billionaire from that song. We're gonna make oh. it. that's that, oh. that's our next chapter.
1: I love all the memes about her, like like she's like uh defrosting in the month of November i it show like a uh, like a cryological like frozen like mariah Carey, and it's like start de- start thawing yeah. out Mariah for December she crushes yeah, it exactly. every I, that, that song and the wham song uh what's the Wham every, song oh um oh, why did you say oh man
0: I don't know what the Hold wham on. song is there's you a have to there's find a it now.
1: There's a Wham Christmas song. And you'll know it. Okay. Um it's uh Last Christmas I gave oh, you yeah. my heart. The very next the day you gave it away. Yeah, that's yep. the that's the, the Wham Christmas song is like just a money maker this time of year.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, we're business people at the end of the day, so <laughs> well. <laughs> with that. Sure. I I thank you so much for joining me on my new podcast, Tupin Talks, and happy holidays to you and your family, BJ. I really, really appreciate you joining me on here.
1: Thanks a ton for having me on Katie. Happy All holidays. Right.
0: Bye buddy I have moved probably fifteen or twenty times in my life and I know that whenever you're moving, no matter what the situation or circumstance, it's always stressful. And that's why I'm so glad I found From Here to There. From Here to There is a moving and logistics company located in Lexington, Kentucky, proudly serving the lower 48. And they are a premium in logistics, moving and white glove delivery with an emphasis on integrity, quality and efficiency. They bring ease to what could be a stressful situation. So from local item delivery to a rearrange to a long distance move, From Here to There is there for you. So just dial 859-893-2602 or visit from here to there ky.com. And if you mention this podcast, you get ten percent off your next move.